You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. This podcast is sponsored by this.labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O slash labs. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Modern Web Podcast. I'm so excited because I don't feel like we've done this uh, enough, but have two amazing people from the Angular core team who will be talking about latest updates in Angular today. Uh, my name is Tracy. You can follow me on Twitter, Lady Leet, and we have uh, Hans Larson. Uh, so Hans, you want to introduce yourself? Hey, Tracy. I'm Hans. Uh, I've been on the Angular team for like, I don't know, three years, four years maybe, uh, since the uh, beta days of 2.0. Um, and um, yeah, I used to work on the material, and uh, mostly I've been working on the CLI uh, last two years, uh, making it through like 1.0 and then to what it is today. Um, and so, yeah, yeah, having a lot of fun. You can follow Hans on Twitter at Hans L at work. So Hans Larson, yeah. Hans L at work. And then we also have Ben Lesh, which you guys are all probably familiar with since we play all the time. So Ben is obviously on the art, you know, uh, author of RxJS and um, also on the Angular core team as well. Hey, Ben. Hi. <laughs> I've been on the Angular core team for what? Uh, eight Two months, weeks. Like Two weeks. Two weeks, yeah. No, Two weeks. what? Two months, three months, six months? Yeah, I don't it's, remember. It's been like eight months, I think. Yeah. All right. Well, and I also just got back from um, keynoting Angular Taiwan, which I was so excited about to see the, the Taiwanese community. And I have these for you, which I will give you next time I see you. Sweet. But they are uh, Angular Kung Fu books. That's awesome. It's very exciting. Cool. Yes. I, I so. know Kung Fu. Well, there you go. Now you can you can know Angular Kung Fu as well. <laughs> <laughs> So um, we are. Let's go quickly through this, and just uh, why don't you all guys give me an update on kind of like what's been going on? What should people be excited about? What should be, be people be running away from? Um, uh, be running away from. Sure, Ben, you want to start? <laughs> huh? I don't know what they should run away from. Um, uh, the lion's share of the work being done right now on Angular uh, and everything that's that's coming up is Ivy. And so on the on the front of it, like people like new features and in new feature wise, it's not that exciting um, because really what it is, is it's a complete revamp of Angular's compiler to compile the templates and everything down into something much, 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 much smaller. And by making everything inside of it tree shakeable. So, um, if you're using any Angular feature, it's included, and any Angular features you're not included get shaken away by uh, tree shaking, which is essentially static analysis that goes through and says, are you using this? No, okay, then get rid of it, um, in, in a nutshell. Uh, but that's the big thing that everyone has to look forward to, and that's what everybody's been working on. Then after that, we're gonna work on more fun new features that, that 
are enabled by this architecture. But what about you, Hans? I mean, Hans, I just oh. remember, are you doing CDK or CLI now, or both? I'm doing CLI, and uh, CDK is more material. It's component that get. Uh, but I'm doing uh, schematics, uh, which is a uh, it's a library to help you build like uh, generate generators kind of uh, workflows where uh, you can change your project. You can generate new components. You can refactor your code, uh, and there is a lot of uh, uh, a lot of features that are coming up with that. Um, and I'm working in general with the CLI and the tooling team. So not, I'm actually not working on IV, which uh, you know, we're, we're we're one of the few people in the team that doesn't work on IV uh, directly. But we're working to support IV in the long run so that you know everybody can use it easily. Um, and uh, the major things that we're working on right now is uh, Bazel support uh, inside the CLI. So. Uh, if you don't know, Bazel is a, an entire build system, uh, open sourced, uh, built at Google, inside Google, and then open sourced. Um, that has a lot of uh, a great advantages. Like it's 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 faster. It can be uh, it's faster to build once. It's faster to rebuild. It can be like uh, mix and match uh, multiple languages and multiple uh, frameworks. And um, we're adding support for creating new projects with support for Bazel and uh, doing like uh, builders so that you can use ng-build, ng-serve, and all those things uh, using Bazel. And of course, Webpack will remain uh, the default right now, but we're enabling people. Uh, normally, like big enterprises are our main uh, users of this. Um, so we're working hard to support them and their use cases. I'm so excited about that because, uh, as I mean, again, Ben and everybody else is working on, um, you know, less exciting things that are actually really exciting because we want everything to be smaller. <laughs> but you get to work on things that I've been hearing a lot of people talking about lately, like schematics. People are really starting to, uh, in the Angular community, really starting to talk about and and say like, whoa, you know, this is how you use schematics, um, et cetera. What are some of the cool, uh, you know, for people who don't know, what are some of the cool things that schematics enables or cool things that you've seen schematics enable? Uh, so I, I think the coolest thing, that, there's two cool things, tool features that we added in Angular 6 uh, that really made a difference. Um, it's uh, basically ng-add and ng-update. That are They are both using uh, schematics. They're both entirely made out of, uh, of the schematics library. Um, so ng-add uh, basically look for libraries that support ng-add and then change your project to add it to uh, add support for the library, add the configuration necessary for the, li the library. One example is uh, native script, which uh, you will be able to have an existing Angular project and just ng-add native script. And it will configure your project, uh, change your files, move your files around to make it a native script uh, supported project right out of the box. And, um, and later on, like this, this enables like 
this enables really a set of features in the future that will really be exciting. Like when you do NGU, you could basically pick the libraries that you want. Like, oh, I want to I want to deploy using Firebase. I want to have Angular Material, and I want to have like native script support for mobile apps. And you just check a couple of boxes, and your project would be automatically configured for that. Um, so that 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 is really exciting. Uh, the other part that uh, really uh, is really great. The other the, the other command that we added uh, using schematics was uh, ng update, which uh, basically is a smarter way to like update your dependencies across uh, major versions, uh, and that adds um, if the library supports it. Like for example, Material supports it, Core supports it, and the CLI supports it. Um, we have schematics that basically refactor your project to remove breaking changes and to uh, you know fix fix your uh, breaking changes so that you wouldn't even see that you are breaking uh, something is breaking between major, uh, Angular six and seven, for example, or Material six and seven. Um, and so you just run ng update Material to the latest version, and automatically it would run all the refactors. And if you're using some Thing that would have broken uh, the material uh, schematics will change your project so that it doesn't break anymore. And does it do that for um, uh, like RxJS as well? So will it will it for example? Um, I guess from I don't remember when it was, but is it like five five point five to six, right, Ben? Yeah. Like, will it just go and like type all the things for you? <laughs> so I think that RxJS was kind of the guinea pig for the first attempt at this, and it was it was a light attempt. Like, it didn't we didn't automatically run the refactoring, for example, but it did automatically update packages and automatically install a backwards compatibility package. So it wasn't quite as aggressive as what could have been done, uh, but it also like both of these these ideas were kind of in their infancy too whenever we tried this. Well, because I could totally see like, wouldn't it be amazing if like all of a sudden your all your imports change and it fixes all the crappy imports you're doing and it goes and does all the piping and it goes and moves everything that you were uh, doing in you know the module to like the individual component files or whatever. Right, right, and I think that's the idea is to, is to have um, those things happen whenever so yep. like so like ng update will enable that for ArcGIS users. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Now the onus will of course be on uh, me and probably a few helpers to to uh, come up with the the code transforms and whatever to, to do those things if there's a six to seven breaking changes. Uh, but we'll we'll see. Seven seven isn't even written in stone yet, so. So that's like also kind of scary in a sense, you know, like as a as a developer, even though I love this idea because it's gonna make the upgrade a lot easier, then all of a sudden I'm like, wait, I was doing my imports this way and it was supposed to be in the modules and now I can't find anything. So, I mean, Hans, how are you going to, I mean, how are people, you know, ng update? I mean, are people really using it now? Is it kind of still in its test phases? Um, and also, are people freaking out because now they have no idea what's going on in their apps? <laughs> uh, well, some people don't know what's going on in their apps without ng update, but uh, that's not that's not really on us. Um, so I think I, I think your question is uh, is uh, is twofold. Like basically, 
what are the recommended best practices and are people using it? Um, people are definitely using it. We receive bug uh, issues uh, every every week, like the less and less, but we still have people with edge cases that like, oh, this was unexpected, why? Or feature request. Um, so there's definitely a lot of people using it. Um, as for the best practices, like how should you use it? I think, I think to avoid stuff like, um, like you said, like, oh, I was in the middle of something. Well, you should commit your code before you actually run ng update. And ng update doesn't really, uh, you know, commit make a commit for you. So really, like once you run ng update, you should see exactly what it did. Um, and uh, libraries should probably tell the user also, like, oh, if this change, like instead of doing this, you need not you don't need to do that. So that once you update, like once you update, the breaking change is is there. So you need to look out for it. But um, and also, also the the onus of the the, the 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 responsibility of fixing a breaking change or communicating it to the user through the schematic is on the library other. So if there is a breaking change in material that material forgot to you know fix on your code, then um, users might be in a state where it doesn't work afterward, and Although these are for our libraries, we we really hardly uh, we, we really try hard to uh, to find those and, and fix those. Um, but some third party libraries might just you know output a message saying like oh you need to do this or just put a comment in your code saying well this line here looks like something that you want to change but we don't know how to do that. Um, so it's more it, it's going to be more like a collaboration between the library and the app the application yeah. developers. If you're um, if you're a third party uh, library author too, like I would recommend like having a cycle where you don't like if you if you deprecate something or like have a deprecation cycle. So you like deprecate something for a major version and then release a major version that actually removes it. And during that process, have your own lint rules that you can provide that say things like, oh, you're doing things the deprecated way. Um, here's a lint error. You should do it this way. And ideally, the lint rule can also fix it. And we can run those fixes and prevent people from writing. Like So both ways still work. But uh, if you try to write it the deprecated way, you get warnings and lint errors. And uh, you can automatically fix it. I think RxJS is a really good example of that, where well, uh, where it deprecated, you know, operators, the operators import, and then like the compact library, um, and then it provided lint rules for users, so users could verify that the project was compliant, and then fixes for those rules. But uh, it couldn't figure out a hundred percent of its breaking because there was a lot of breaking between version five and six. Yeah. Uh, but at least it it was communicating to the user, like, oh, there is a breaking chain, but we don't know how to fix it. You'll have to be like a little bit smarter than just a tool. Right, right, and it's I mean, but certainly the days of like, well, I posted on my documentation site that these things were changing, so people should know. Like, yeah, th those days are over. Like, we can't do that anymore. It, it doesn't work either. Right. And also, I don't think, um, and I could be completely wrong, but 
I, you know, these things like a NG update, for example, I don't think any other technology has them. Am I wrong there? Or has this also been? No, the only ones that have something like that is, uh, well, the, the package manager, NPM and Yarn, mm -hmm. uh, they have an update, but it's only installing stuff. It doesn't actually run any code afterward that could check your project and make sure that it works. I love that because I think it just makes, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I always feel like the Angular team is trying to make development life a lot easier. Like they're always trying to figure out new, interesting ways to make development more accessible to people, which is really awesome. Yeah. I know when I first started doing development Angular, and even now, Angular is just like so easy to, you know, get going and get productive and, you know. I'm sure a lot of other people feel that way about different frameworks, but uh, Angular just just gives me all the things. Um, and you know that kind of brings me to the um, you know the CLI changes I've been seeing. So uh, you know the fact that the CLI is so much more just like it just kind of like walks you through everything and really you know it's like is it like having a conversation with Hans basically like like Hans in a box you know Hans in your terminal like telling me all the things I need to do or giving me all the options. We yes. actually keep Hans in a box. That's it's a real thing. Yeah, you know what? I I really need to actually make like a custom Jack in a box, but like with a Hans that throws like CLI tips at you, like, <laughs> oh my god, you did engine you wrong. Yeah, that would be so great. I would totally. I, that would make me want to use uh, Angular more. <laughs> Hans in a box. Yeah. Um, but maybe you can talk a little bit more about that, or is there anything um, exciting we need to know about that? Um, or just, you know, it just comes that spits out of your brain, all the things that people ask you, and then, boom, it just ends up as uh, prompt, prompts in, in the CLI. Yeah, we're, we're going to add more prompts. We're definitely going to add more, uh, more prompts in the future. Um, I think prompt is, well, it's the main feature that we added in 7.0. Uh, but I, I, I think it's not like it can be used way more uh, efficiently than that. Um, but yeah, I would like to see a choose your own adventure kind of prompt kind of workflow. Like you do engineer my little app and then it starts asking you questions like, oh, do you want material? Do you want, like, do you have anything additional to add? Um, and that, I think, I think that would, uh, that would uh, really make the, the, the flow uh, way better. And also, um, well, you, you probably heard of the Angular console, uh, which is a graphical interface. It's really, it's really awesome. It's a graphical interface on top of the CLI, essentially. And um, I would like to have like uh, support for prompts there that are a little bit more uh, in involved to like better descriptions, maybe with links to documentation stuff that we cannot do easily on our side. Um, but yeah, we're, we're adding features now. I think the CLI is not at a point where we are adding features not for ourselves, but for um, like third-party developers, like schematics developers, uh, builders, uh, you know, people who wants to do like, oh, I want to use something else instead of Jasmine, um, and um, I think I, I think we're at the point where people will see less and less features in the CLI itself, 
and more features that other people can use, which are going to make um, are, are going to be great for the user in the end, but the users won't see it directly. Yeah, that's super cool. I mean, again, it's like a a lot of the stuff that you all are doing. It's almost kind of like um, I don't know if it's it's like by release or whatever, but you sort of have this. Okay, tons of new features. Okay, we're going to focus on the internals. Okay, tons of new features. Okay, we're going to focus on the internals. You know. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of brings me back to um, you know Ben and uh, the stuff that you're doing with Ivy. Of course, the question is always, and I know there's a website, but is Ivy ready yet? Is it? <laughs> no, uh, but I can't. I can't tell, can tell you this. The uh, when Ivy's ready, it's going to be pretty rock solid. I mean, there's a lot of work going into um, making sure that all existing tests pass, making sure that. It works with all of the, I don't even know, hundreds of thousands or however, hundreds or thousands of, of apps and, and compilation targets inside of Google um, and all of their tests. So uh, there's by the by the time um, by the time it's it's landed at the feet of of the public, uh, there's already been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears gone into making sure that it's not going to be their blood, sweat, and tears that is, is the cost. So, um, but that's it's like like every it's like all hands on deck right now, just trying to trying to. It's like the architecture's in there and it's done, and they're going through and they're finding uh, you know what are called root causes for um, various test failures and trying to get those things all ironed out uh, before it goes out to, to everybody. I mean, technically you can compile with it now and it will work, I think in most most general cases, but you know, it's all the edge cases and all the lesser used functionality and a lot of other stuff that uh, like adds up to a lot of things that, that need to be ironed out and made sure they work properly. So then also, um, did Minko just come in now that he joined the team and just like white knight it like, hey, I just did all the work for you that you've been trying to do for five months. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Minko's here and he he's we've actually that's the reason I'm in this podcast is because I don't have to do anything now because Minko's here. Oh, I love it. So awesome. So yeah, he's, he's pretty great. Yes. I love Minko. I love him so much. Yes. Oh, and we have another new we have another new member on our team, Andrew. So Andrew's Andrew's pretty awesome. Have you met Andrew yet? You'll have to meet him. Oh. He sits by me. Oh, that's cool. Well, I will see you all um next week anyways, but he doesn't get a kung fu book. Okay. I, I could only steal a few from the from the conference. Um <laughs> or I was it was given. It's Kevin's present to you guys, but <laughs> so um, you know, last question is Ben. Everybody obviously wants to know latest on ArcGIS seven, and of course, I just said somebody asked them, um, which is the you know, what is the biggest feature? And I just said, look, everything's just going to be smaller. <laughs> That's the biggest feature in ArcGIS seven is everything's smaller. Um, so the 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 when on that is it's. Unfortunately, backburnered right now for Ivy uh, because it's all hands on all hands on deck for Ivy. So it's very very close. Uh, the experiment experimental branch is there and it can be built and you could go use it if you wanted to go try it out. Um, and but there's there's going to be this phase of looking at this experimental branch, uh, getting it in alpha, seeing what people think of it, seeing if the architecture is working out. Um, it might end up that. It needs to be rewritten in a different way before we get uh, seven out. But um, 
that'll be the the major focus after Ivy is is out and released. To which to which I'm just helping. There's there's um my my involvement in Ivy is pretty much going through and helping find bugs and occasionally fixing small ones like Alex Rickabaugh and and other people that have been in the compiler more heavily. Kara uh, Erickson um, especially uh, are doing more of the heavy lifting and I'm I'm like their support. You're just poking at them. Yeah, I'm just poking at it like this. He's Robert, Robert Ducking. Uh, he's <laughs> yeah. really good at it. I actually don't know where I can't. Anyways, there's some. Oh, there's some changes. Like the uh, the routing, the router stuff has been rewritten to be more reactive. Uh -huh. Are you poking me right now? <laughs> um, so that's been rewritten to be more reactive by Jason Aiden, uh, and uh, I know this because, of course, a, a lot of that stuff comes and gets bounced off me. Um, so that's that's good, and it's gonna the API isn't really changing, but it's going to enable us to refactor it later into being even more reactive and having better reactive features. Uh, and you know, especially once ArcGIS uh, seven is out and everything's smaller, um, that'll be good for for everybody as well. So it's another bit. Well, I also really hope that, um, well, you know, we'll, we'll end this podcast on that nice note, but I hope that everybody uh, listening, especially if you're in the Asia region, um, comes to Angular Taiwan. So Hans and Ben, y'all are coming with me, right? Angular Taiwan next year? That sounds good. That sounds great. I've never been to Taiwan, so. I love Taiwan. <laughs> but, you know, all you do in Taiwan is you eat. This is the only thing you do there. Sweet. Yeah. That, that, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. So we'll have to go small for you guys, just in case. But <laughs> is my wait, it, is uh, is my does my ability to count in Cantonese actually translate there? <laughs> no, it's uh, count first, and I'll tell you. Wait, so it's it's yet ye sam say no, but but counts. That's uh, yeah, that's Cantonese. That's not Mandarin. Oh, Hans, you'll be able to uh, speak right since your wife is Chinese. <laughs> Right. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just I came back from China. Leading into that, and then you asked me to count. If uh, you could have just told me no, because it's Cantonese. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> taking me into counting. I wanted to see how similar it was. No, it's not. <laughs> There's a few that are similar. Wait. So Hans, you're not at NG China because I know NG China is happening like next week or something. No. no. Uh, I went to China for vacation for visiting actually my uh, my in laws. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, the, the question came that, um, the question came how many words I knew in Mandarin and I basically answered like, if I can count to a million, does that make a million words? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. I know a million words. <laughs> you know, um, Elliot is so funny. He's like, Hey, it's so weird, Tracy. You talk to me in Chinese in your sleep sometimes. And I'm like, what do I say? And he, he's like, you say like something, 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 summer. And I was like, oh, like summer, right? And I, he's like, I was like, oh, do I say like needs again, summer, which means like, what are you doing? And he's like, yeah, that's what you say. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> you were not dreaming. <laughs> that's so funny, though. Like, okay, I'm speaking in Chinese in my sleep, but whatevs, weird things about it. It'd be weird okay. if I did that. 
Yeah. Uh, I can tell you some stories. Yeah. <laughs> like one time I, I started speaking in Taiwanese, which I can't even really speak in Taiwanese, but I guess I can. It's like this like blocker in your mind, you know. Um, okay, so now that everybody knows how much Chinese and Cantonese we all know, uh, I wanted to wrap up this modern web podcast to say thank you so much for listening. Um, again, you can follow Han at, uh, at Hanzel at work and then Ben at Ben Lesh on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Lady Lee. Um, we love to welcome new developers to Angular and RxJS. So if anybody is ever interested in getting involved, feel free to ping us and we're super happy to talk. Thanks everyone for joining. This podcast is sponsored by NativeScript. Want to use your web skills to build iOS and Android apps? Try NativeScript. NativeScript is an open source framework for building native mobile apps using technologies you already know, like JavaScript, Angular, or Vue. Learn more at nativescript.org slash modern web.